Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's talk about the anointing, shall we? All right, we've already looked at a couple of things and uh, gave some definition to service structure last week. And prior to, to that, we talked about, gave a definition of the anointing. And I don't want to go into all that right now. But I do want to go over to Isaiah chapter 10, verse number 27, and it says this, and I read it at the opening, but this is one of our two main passages. How many are believing God for understanding today? Okay. And I'm going to tell you right now, every person in here that's born again is anointed. You have an anointing and you need to believe this. And we talked about this before, but it's this scripture It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And then it says in the last part of verse 27, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now in the New King James, it says because of the anointing oil. And that's because when we looked at the definition of the word anointing, it has to do with oil. But it's a representation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we looked at 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. And if you don't have time to turn to these, you can jot them down. But you should be meditating these during the week. It says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, John was writing to a church. He was writing to believers, to the body of Christ. He said, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, what that means is, is that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. It doesn't mean you know everything there is to know. How many know you don't want to know everything there is to know? All right, you want to know what God wants you to know, but you have an anointing. So we see here that it is the anointing that destroys the yokes and removes burdens in our lives. It is the anointing that teaches us all things. This should lead us to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit or the anointing will always teach and lead us into the destruction of every yoke of the enemy in our lives and in the lives of others, okay? Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. So I want to answer this question, and we'll be a couple of parts here. There are actually two questions we want to answer this morning. The first is this, what act made the anointing available for all? So if you're taking notes, what act made the anointing available for all? Now we know in the Old Testament that the anointing came upon the prophet, the priest, and the king. So in the Old Testament, the anointing of God or the Holy Spirit, and you should know this, was shut up in the temple behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest was allowed to enter in there once a year. No one else was allowed in that room. Now, after a sacrifice, if you read Hebrews chapter 9, you'll see this. You can also study it in the Old Testament. But this is interesting. When I was at Bible college, we had a class on on, uh, some of the Old Testament things in the temple and stuff like that. And do you know they actually tied a rope to the high priest before he went into the Holy of Holies? And he had all these fancy garments on. And at the bottom of his garments, he had, they weren't bells, but they were pomegranates or something that had something in them that made noise. So the person outside the Holy of Holies, if he heard that noise and then all of a, heard, all of a sudden heard kathunk, he knew to pull 
the person out because they had died in the presence of God. And you say, what would have caused that? Sin, not proper atonement for sin in that high priest's life. How many know if you had to come to church that way, you would be more reverent or at least fearful? I mean, can you imagine? Now, thankfully, we have a high priest who's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, and he took your death so you won't be killed. Amen? I'm thankful for it. You know, under the old covenant, it was a lot more strict in these things because of, and it had to be, I could get into some of this stuff, but you just need to keep feeding on the word and the Holy Spirit will show you more as you go. But I'm telling you, it had to be because under the old covenant, if prophets prophesied and it didn't come to pass and it wasn't of God, they would, they could be killed. Now, what if we employed that today for every preacher? Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Now, I know we're not going to, and that's not God's design. Obviously, he's not doing that because how many know we would just get saved and then go to heaven right away? Because we, we would make mistakes in that area. But under the old covenant, it was that way. And so the anointing would come on these different ones. And if they were unrepentant, if there wasn't a heart that was correct before the Lord, there could be difficult situations for them. But the Holy Spirit was not loosed on the earth like we have today under the new covenant, like we experience and we have a record of in Acts chapter 2. That is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. If you read concerning the other instances where people were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, you'll notice that the disciples put words like, has the Holy Spirit come upon you yet? They don't talk about he was poured out because he's already been poured out. So even when you f we sense the Holy Spirit here, we talk about rain and all of those things, it's really the Holy Spirit is here and he's being poured out in our presence and we experience him in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. Amen? And so the anointing, though, under the old covenant was trapped, so how did it get released to us? Well, we know this, that Jesus, if you want to go to Matthew chapter 27, this is how, this is the account of how the Holy Spirit was let loose in the earth. Matthew chapter 27. And the answer in the short is this. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection opened the door for the Holy Spirit to be made available to all of humanity. Somebody say all. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 45. This is my favorite account of this. I like Matthew's account. Better than Mark and Luke's. Because it adds a part they don't. But it says this, Matthew 27, verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. Jesus is on the cross at this point. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 47, some of those who stood there when they heard that said, the man is calling for Elijah. Verse 48, immediately one of them ran and took a sponge filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink 
The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Verse 50, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse number 51, then behold, the veil of the temple was what? Into from top to bottom and the earthquake and the rocks were split. In other words, that is when the Holy Ghost was loosed on the earth. Right there. In other words, God said, what needed to be fulfilled in order for me to be available for access to every human on the planet has been fulfilled in the death of Christ. The sacrifice of Christ was received in heaven in that moment, and from there, a jurisdiction, a release, a judgment was released from the throne of God saying, Holy Spirit, go. Now watch this. How was the veil torn? Why was it from the top to the bottom? To prove it wasn't a man. To prove it wasn't the disciples snuck in and like, okay, Jesus got killed. Grab one side. Okay, you grab the other. Even if they did, they couldn't have torn it. It was so thick. Top to bottom, what did God say? I'm coming down. And now you are his house. I know some people are like, huh. Others, yes. You can tell people are at different stages. How could that be? Because Jesus' purity in you is so pure that God can live in your space. Praise the Lord. In other words, you received a what? An anointing. Has that ever messed with your head? Has that ever messed with your head to think, wait a minute, if Jesus is in my heart, how is he in their heart? Does Jesus have multiple personality disorder? Is he running? The reason why he can is because of the Holy Spirit. You received the Spirit of Christ within you. Now, I'm going to prove it to you. We're going to give you a bunch of scriptures to prove it, okay? But I'm telling you, you, God, the Spirit of the living God, went from being in the Holy of Holies, at least he could be around people, to available to everybody, Jew and Gentile alike. And people say, Jew and Gentile, what does that mean? Am I a Gentile? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Now, I'm talking naturally. So if you don't have Jewish background, the covenant naturally under the old covenant wasn't made with you. It was made with the Jews. It was made with a particular line of flesh that Jesus eventually manifested as. And through his flesh and taking on all sin, he could open up the resurrection graces to every, every kind of flesh. So now, it doesn't matter if you're male, female, Jew, gen it doesn't matter what your background is, if you have and you have the capability, if you exercise the ability of faith within your heart, you can be the temple of God. You can be the house of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is going through addresses in heaven, 
And he's going, yes, I live there. Yes, I live there. Yes, I live there. My name is on the roll. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And the anointing destroys the yokes. So that means it's good to have all the ministries we do, laying on of hands, all of those things. It's good. We need them. But how many know you can receive from the Lord right where you're at? Amen? It's powerful. This is the thing about God. He can visit you outside of this building. And, what, and I need to rephrase that. He walks in you when you walk in, and he walks in you when you walk out. Ooh, I'm quoting scripture. Oh, I can think, I'm thinking of so many. And yet, how would that change how we operate if we knew that? Like really knew it. It would make a huge difference, wouldn't it? All right, I want to read this to you. The new birth is not the changing of something in man nor the removal of something from man, but the communication of something to mankind. Something which he never before possessed. The new birth is literally the impartation of the divine nature to the heart and life of the sinner, which makes them a new creation. It is brought to pass through a personal union with Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 12 says this, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God does, hath not life. Whereby are given unto us, this is 2 Peter 1, 1, 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, by these ye might become partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? That means that you, if you're born again, you have an anointing. Divine nature. You have a divine nature. Listen, listen to this. When I was born the first time, I received from my parents their nature. When I was born the second time, I received from God his nature. No other religion has such a message as this. Christianity is the only religion which professes to take a man fallen by nature and regenerate him by bringing him into the life of God. No one would ever dream of saying, he that hath Buddha hath life. Now, just so you're not confused on this, there are not many ways to God. There is one. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes people say, well, that's not the way I was raised. Well, I'm going I'm to say this. You were raised wrong. Christ is not manifesting differently to different cultures. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the only one that made this statement. I am the way, the truth. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, I know sometimes people can have, you know, different languages can have a different name for Christ. What I mean by that is not a different name, but how it's said, right? We know that Sean is not Sean in Spanish, right? But it's not a different Christ. There is no other Christ but Jesus, the Son of God.
He is the only one. Amen? And if you have him, you have an anointing. If you don't have him, you ain't got an anointing. <laughs> Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at it. Verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, if you're taking notes. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has what? What did he do? Is God. Verse 22, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a what? Guarantee. Now, I want to read this to you. Some uh, commentary on this that I think is so good. But we see here that the anointing and the spirit are one, that in, in Christ we've been sealed with that anointing. We've been given a guarantee of the Holy Spirit. And so they're actually in the Greek for this word sealed specifically here has a twofold idea, namely to mark with a seal as a means of identification. So you should, there should be the mark of anointing upon your life. And there is, but as you cooperate, it should be more and more noticeable to others. And that includes everything, how you talk, how you conduct yourself, how you parent, how you do business, how you do, uh, how you vote, amen? I said how you vote, amen? It should, it should include every area, how you manage your money, how you, how you do everything should be affected by the anointing, and you have the anointing in you. So this mark not only denoted ownership, but also carried with it the protection of the owner, glory to God. From, the defi from this definition, we can better understand the symbolic use of the term describing who became Christians as being sealed or by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to look up that word sealed, it's a powerful word, but it means like vacuum-packed. How many have ever vacuum-packed clothes or food? What does it do? It what? It preserves them, right? Doesn't allow things. That you have an anointing that preserves you. Uh, Mark hit it a little bit during worship in his, he gets to preaching sometimes because he's not just a worship guy, he's a preacher. <laughs> he's a minister as well. But, uh, but Mark hit it, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. I do not have devils living in my heart along with God. People say, yeah, but you got issues that you're dealing with. That's in the soul, not in the spirit. My spirit is perfectly clean and righteous before the Lord. Now, I've argued that. I mean, I've looked at it so many different ways. There's, there's just no other conclusion that you can come to because how many know Jesus isn't hanging out in your heart with demons? People say, I'm a believer. I need to have the demon cast out of me. No, you don't. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And he is not hanging out with demons going, yeah, we just, you know, peace, love. Let's all get along. Jesus has no peace and no love for any demon and never will. All right, moving on. However, many feel that it means, well, let me give you the, the two passages concerning that word sealed. I don't want to get too far ahead here. Ephesians 1.13 and Ephesians 4.30. You can look those up later. I'm not going to go to those right now. However, this is the commentary continuing along with 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. 
However, many feel that it means more here than just provide with a mark of identification. I love this. I love this. It also includes an endowment with power from heaven as denoted by God's giving of the spirit, or you could say what? An anointing. In modern Greek, this endowment is, endowment is used to describe an engagement ring. Here it refers to a pledge or partial payment that is only a small fraction of the future endowment. What is given in partial payment in the, in, in the, is the same in kind as can be expected in the future endowment. How many know we got a great future ahead of us? An eternal future. But right now, you are not left helpless and powerless. You have an anointing from the Holy One if you're born again, and it destroys yokes and removes burdens, and it helps you know what? All things. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, we read. Skip down to verse 27. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. It says this, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So what do we see here in 1 John chapter 2 verse 27? We see in the first part that you have an anointing that you have received from him that abides in you. How many are thankful that the Holy Spirit doesn't go, oh, you didn't do it right today, I'm leaving. <laughs> you messed up again, it's over. No, we never, how many know this, that God is faithful when I'm not? Come on, praise the Lord. Come on, he cut covenant with you, you stepped into it, but did you, were you involved in the covenant other than the receiving this will be revelation for some of you. God put on flesh because he knew you couldn't get back to covenant with him. That's why there's a new covenant. So for those of you that are trying to earn your relationship, you're wasting your energy. The, re the relationship only comes by faith. Amen. All right. Do you, do you think that's true? Let's look at some scriptures and see if it's true. Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. Jot these down. I'm going to go through them. Not by works. <laughs> what? Are you going to get there, Ian? You're almost there? <laughs> I'm putting pressure on my son. It's my son back there. That's why I can do that. <laughs> Me and Arnery with him. Titus chapter 3. Okay, we'll move on here. Titus 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has what? Oh, how much work did you do? <laughs> Glory to God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he what? Saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the which is the anointing. How many remember when you got born again? Do you remember what took place in you? Whoa. Washing and regeneration. You received an anointing. 
Sometimes people have their minds, the, the problem is not that they're not, they don't have the anointing. The problem is, is their head is so messed up with past thinking that they can't release the anointing into their life yet. They're still learning how. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. See, I told you old things left. Behold, all things have become new. Excuse me, watch verse 18. Now all things are of what? So is the devil hanging out in there? The devil can't stand God. Well, he can't even be in his presence. How many of you read through the Gospels and watched how the enemy responded to Jesus? Outside of the temptation of Christ. They, demons in people would run up to Jesus and go, they would say, what are you doing here? Are you here to torture us before our time? Jesus was not like, oh, oh disciples, pray, pray. Pray, it's a big demon, it's a big one. The, the devil was in a particular person in the form of a legion. That means it could be, you know, hundreds, if not maybe a thousand demons in one person. Sometimes people think, well, how is that possible? I couldn't eat a thousand grapes. Because it's spirit, it's not natural. But yet all of those devils could not stop him from running and kneeling before Jesus. And Jesus didn't look at all the devils and go, boys, did you fast and pray today to his disciples? This is a lot of devils. Why? Because he had an anointing. You have an anointing. There is nothing you're going through in your marriage. There is nothing you're going through with your kids. There is nothing you're going through with your family. There's nothing you're going through in your business. There's nothing that you're going through in any of the things that you're dealing with that there is not an anointing that's available to you. You need to, uh, I loved what Tom said earlier in his testimony, take a knee Say, what do you mean? You don't have to do it right now. Later today, before you go to bed, go to the Lord and say, Lord, I heard today from your word that I have an anointing because I believe in you. I've received you into me. Show me what to do. Lord, you said in your word that that anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens. Lord, you said in your word that that anointing teaches me all things, that I have an anointing from the Holy One and I know all things. Lord, you said in your word that this was to me, that that's the covenant that I have with you. And so, Father, I ask for that understanding. Show me what I'm supposed to do in order to move forward and release the yoke of this situation, this bondage off of my life. Don't just wait for somebody else to do it for you. You do it. Amen. Use your faith. Exercise your faith. As you do, God will answer you. Now, don't get impatient. You know, sometimes people are like, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, did you wait? 
I'm not saying you have to kneel there for three months. Go about your day, but expect every time you think about it, say, Father, thank you, praise you. I thank you that you heard me and you're answering me. You always do. I hear testimonies all the time. Praise the Lord. If you do it, he'll answer. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I love that. How were you saved? Of yourselves? No, it was the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. How many know that we are, verse 10, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works? In other words, you have an anointing to do good. But you're not doing good to get saved. Jesus did good so you could get in the good and then express the good. But if you try and do it in reverse, you're lost. Amen. You're lost. Now, sometimes people go, well, I don't feel like, it doesn't seem like, you know, that, that, that anointing is operating in my life. Well, that could be an obedience issue. It's not a salvation issue, though. Because you have to receive by faith. It's a free gift. How are you going to pay? Do you offer money to people when they give you birthday gifts and Christmas gifts? Do you? If you do, you're weird. Okay, it's a little weird. I don't do that. When I get given gifts at Christmas, I don't go, oh, how much do I owe you? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I paid for them anyway, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I just ruined my illustration, didn't I? <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Kind of. I'm halfway te okay. <laughs> oh, get back in the anointing, Sean. Come on. All right. <laughs> that would be weird. But yet there are people trying to pay for their salvation, and actually it's pride. Spiritual pride. If you understand salvation and your condition before Christ, you know there was no way that you could have earned it. It's a free gift. Now you're gonna help yourself if you walk in that grace, live a victorious life here on earth. But I'm telling you, it's free. Amen? Ephesians chapter four, verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God. If it was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, what is that? That's an anointing. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 15. For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Romans chapter 8, verse number 16. 
The Spirit himself also bears witness with our spirit. Spirit, The two have come into agreement that we are children of God. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory. I love it. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Thank God I'm in. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ is in you and Christ is the definition of Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. So who lives in you? You have an anointing. This is from Brother Hagin's book, Understanding the Anointing, Kenneth E. Hagin. It says, every born-again believer has the anointing in them. We don't have to pray for it. We've got it because we have Christ in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear him say, we don't have to pray for it? You don't have to pray for it. That's weird, right? That'd be like, you get the gift, you received it, and then you go back to the person that gave it to you and say, I'd just, I'd just like to ask you if I could have that gift. You already have it. That's why some people are powerless because they don't believe they have it, even though they have it. I mean, you went through the process of believing to have it, so why don't you use it? Why don't you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow him to teach you all things and remove the yokes and the burdens out of your life? God is a master burden remover. If people would start developing that consciousness of the indwelling Holy Spirit when they first become Christians, he would manifest himself. But too often they haven't been taught correctly. But you're being taught correctly. They taught, they, they thought they got an experience. Ooh, I love this. They kept trying to have another experience like the one, that, that one, but it wasn't an experience at all. It was someone a divine personality who came to live in them. He is a heavenly being, the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive an experience. Now, you may have experienced things when you received him, but that's not what you received. Don't go look for the experience. Fellowship with the divine, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit who lives in you. So there are individual or personal anointings of the Holy Spirit that abide in each and every one of us. We need to learn to take advantage of these gifts. Judy, would you come? And we're going to stop there this morning. And next week, we're going to talk about the anointing upon. So from those scriptures, from these passages of scripture, you can see that you have an anointing. You have the power of God within you if you're born again. If you're born again. All right, let's do this. If you're born again, put your hands on your own, your own self and let's just declare some truth here according to the scripture. Say this with me. Say, I have an anointing in me. Christ in me the hope of glory. That anointing leads me into all truth, shows me things to come, 
brings to my remembrance all things that have been said to me by the Lord. His leading, His anointing always leads to the removal of burdens and yokes in my life. As I learn to follow the Holy Spirit, He leads me into freedom. Jesus said, I shall know the truth and the truth shall make me free. As I live in freedom, I then demonstrate that freedom to others and help by the anointing remove burdens off of their lives. Let's do this. If you're a parent, if you've ever had a kid, <laughs> let's say this. I'm an example to my kids in leadership, in my home, or if the kids are out, they're grown up, I'm still an example of the anointing because the anointed one lives in me. I follow the leading of the Lord in parenting according to the written word by the unction of the Holy Spirit. I always know how to help my kids remove burdens off of their lives. You have an anointing. If you're a business owner, I have an anointing for business. If you're an employee or an employer, you have an anointing for that. If you're married, you have an anointing for it. I know this sounds too good to be true, but it just is that true. You know, the gospel is the good news. It isn't the bad news. It's the good news. The good news is you, wherever the scriptures have a promise spoken to you, you have access to an anointing. You have access to an anointing. You have an anointing on your life. You are anointed. People say, I need somebody to lay hands on me. No, you don't. You have an anointing. <laughs> well, I like it when somebody lays hands on me. I do too. But a lot of times you're just getting something that is a feeling to help stir up what is already within you. In other words, a sensing. Sometimes there can be special mantles, and we'll talk about that later. But I'm telling you, you have an anointing right now. And the anointing destroys the yokes and removes burdens. Do you know that one of the signs of the resurrection and one of the signs or one of the things that is mentioned concerning Jesus and, and what he received in his victory over death was the anointing of joy? It says he was anointed with the oil of gladness. And it says above his brethren. Part of the victory is ha 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 ha. <laughs> sometimes people are so funny. Religious people, we are such stick in the mud sometimes. It's like, what did you get baptized in? Lemon juice? They love to quote the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. 
And they love to quote that it's righteousness and peace, but they forget to finish the scripture. And joy in the Holy Ghost. You haven't experienced that joy watching a comedian. You haven't. Not just natural laughter. I love it. It's fun. But when the joy of the Holy Ghost hits, it's on a different level. You say, what does that mean? Well, I was in a service, or I heard uh, Brother Hagin shared this testimony. Um, and I'm about to, I am going to wrap up here and give people an opportunity to receive Christ. But if you don't have to move around, don't because you could distract somebody and I don't want you to. But let me say this, I, was, I heard Brother Hagin talking about this. People were, uh, the joy of the Lord had hit a service and some people were laughing and things and the pastor was kind of watching. You know, this was a, and this pastor actually was watching people kind of laugh and just got to laughing because they were laughing. You know, the people, have you ever done that? Have you ever watched somebody laugh and you're just like, it gets contagious after a while? And while this pastor was laughing, he, he, he started out kind of in the natural, but then that joy of the Lord hit him and he was laughing and he woke up the next morning and realized all his ulcers were healed. Now, if you're gonna be a scriptorian on this, I'd love to debate if you want to, just not like this. I'll do it one-on-one. -on -one. Cause I, I'm like Paul, I've been set for the defense of the gospel. And I read, buddy. I tell you, I read and I study. Why? I have to know it. If I don't know what I believe, we're in trouble. I'm in trouble. Amen? You're the same way. But the scripture says, A merry doeth good like a... The world, don't go look at the world and, and see what they try to mit Go to the scriptures. I actually naturally heard this testimony a while back uh, on healing. This was several years ago. But there was a gentleman, and he wasn't saved. But just to prove the principle of scripture is right, he, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so he was, uh, I think he was in the hospital at this time, maybe at home. But one of the things he wanted to do was just watch Three Stooges movies. And it actually reversed the cancer. It was documented. The cancer left. He just laughed at the Three Stooges. Now, that's just natural. But it proves to you, God has set certain things in motion inside. If you, if you can get happy enough, all your aches can leave. Now, it has to come through the leading of what? The anointing. Do you know some people have been raised in homes, they've been trained to be depressed? And especially in our culture, that you need a pill for that, you need a pill for that, you need a pill for that, and you need a pill for that. Pretty soon you're taking 35 pills. And you're taking other pills to counter the counter effects of the other pills. You know, like your headache will go away, but your hand will fall off. <laughs> <laughs> but the joy of the Lord is my hmm. I just feel so weak all the time people are like well you know those are promises but you know that passed when the disciples died no it didn't Jesus is still Jesus he's still on the throne 
And you know, Jesus is never depressed. Woo. Glory to God. Amen. Well, I want to give somebody an opportunity to receive Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We know this from scripture, that eternity is in the heart of man. We know that uh, every person has a longing and emptiness within them that can only be filled by Christ. We know from John 3, 16 and 17 that God loves us and doesn't want us to perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn you. He's not out to convict you guilty and he doesn't want you to go to hell. But that through him you might be saved and go to heaven. All people have sin. Nobody has escaped this. And sin is simply what causes separation from God because we miss the mark. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know from Romans 6.23 that heaven is a free gift that can be received by putting our trust in Christ. God wanted us back into relationship with him so bad that he demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we can receive God's forgiveness through faith by trusting in Christ. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will receive eternal life if you put your trust in Jesus. It is with your heart, your inner man, that you believe unto righteousness and with your mouth that confession is made unto salvation. So if you're in here today or you're watching online, and you want to place your faith in Jesus, you know you need to. The Holy Spirit is convincing you of this. If you just raise your hand where you're at, we'll pray with you. I'd like to pray with you so you can receive Christ into your heart. Anybody online, Michael? Okay. Anybody in the room? I, if I missed your hand, I did. Okay, thank you. I see that hand. Yes, sorry about that. Anybody else? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your son Jesus came to this world, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead so that I could receive forgiveness, become your child, and receive the gift of eternal life. I come to you now, repent of all my sin. I not only receive the gift of forgiveness, but I give you all of my life and my heart. I believe you have accepted me because Jesus said, the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. You also said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for saving me, making me your child, helping me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to the family. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.